This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune into the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The most hotly contested election in our nation's history did not take place in the year 2000 or even 2020. It took place in 1876. And we have to wonder what happened. Of course, that voice you heard was none other than that of Oscar-winning Tom Hanks. Uh, we don't have Tom Hanks with us today, but we got our brother here. And I am so proud of him. We were just reconnecting about some of our Memphis roots. We got to do a little bit more work on that. That might end up being his own documentary. Exactly. But, but he, folks, this we met, let me just say a little bit about him. We met doing reparations work and the weekly coalitions we were in. He was the deputy legal director for the ACLU. And then all of a sudden he's, he's gone. He's like, I'm leaving. I'm like, where's he going? He's going to make movies. And I'm like, okay, you know, a whole lot of folk have that, you know, that dream. I'm like, what is Jeffrey? And I had no idea what all he was up to, but many of us have heard of who we are and the who we are project and, and what, a compelling documentary that has turned out to be and, and, and how important it is. This brother left his career in the ACLU and he was an attorney for many years working on human rights, civil rights, equal rights cases and decided to, to do this. And I'm going to hear about that decision. But you just heard Tom Hanks. The Washington Post has been promoting the latest project, which is a short film entitled How to Rig an Election. Some of us in this audience have heard about the, the Tilden Hayes compromise, but this, again, succinctly, succinctly gives the story. And what our guest has done is, is help us figure out a way to share information um, to meet the needs of the audiences that we're talking to today uh, so that they can learn and understand what's going on. Jeffrey Robinson joins us from the Who We Are Project. Jeff, Jeff how are you? Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. It, it is great. It's great to have you. Well, first of all, let's start here. You, what, what was it that was that motivation that made you decide? You know what? I'm through with this other work I'm doing. I'm gonna go into making films and documentaries. You know, I I was not planning. I'm a trial lawyer, and that's my profession, and that's what I've done for almost forty years. And I was not planning on making films, but. Back in 2011, I had some family circumstances and uh, our nephew ended up becoming our son and he moved from Queens, New York, all the way to Seattle, Washington. And now I got a young black man in my home because I didn't have children and he's asking me questions. And I started doing research and all kinds of things. And that's where the film came from because I was just doing research and putting things together. 
to try and understand them myself. I ended up coming up with a three-hour presentation that I was giving for six or seven years all across the country, and I happened to give it in federal court in Manhattan, and one of the lawyers in the room was named Sarah Kunstler. She is the daughter of William Kunstler, and she and her sister were also filmmakers. So they called me up and said, look, you know, we've seen this presentation. There's only so many places you can go by yourself. You're just one person. If we make this into a film, you can reach so many more people. And Mark, I thought they were, I was like, yeah, whatever. And I really don't know y'all, but talk about coming correct. Jeff, you will own the film. So that we, when we sold the film to Sony Pictures Classics, the distribution rights, all of the money went to the Who We Are project. Jeff, you will have editorial control over what goes in the film and what comes out of the film. This is not our story. It's your story, but we want to help you tell it. And my collaboration with them took off and it just felt like this was a time uh, to do something that was a little different. And the whole goal of the Who We Are project is to inform people. And we can do that with film. We can do that with written word, with spoken word, reaching people in all kinds of ways. And that's where this little seven-minute short came from uh, after we made the big documentary film. This is just another example of trying to tell a small piece of a story that helps people put together what the truth about our past really is. And then now you've got... Tom, you can't get bigger than Tom Hanks, I don't think, well, man. How did that come about? Uh, just fortunate. Um, Sony Pictures Classics, when we were making the uh, documentary film, they said, let's send a copy to some different people in Hollywood and see what kind of reaction we get. And I started getting emails from somebody that was TH. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, I know who this guy is, and it has been almost two years, I think, that we have been collaborating and talking. He is a history buff, and I think the way that we thought it might be appropriate to send him a copy of the film is that you may remember back with the 100th uh, uh, marking of the Tulsa Massacre in 2021, he wrote an op-ed at the Washington Post saying, I never heard about this. I was never taught about this. Why was I never taught about this? This makes no sense whatsoever. And he's kind of a history buff. And so he, he emailed and we started emailing with each other. And that grew to uh, working on this project. And we're going to work on a couple of other projects as well. He is really interested in people confronting the truth about our history and he is willing to give us his time and his effort and his name uh, in putting this out there. So I'll tell you real quick, this seven-minute documentary literally came out of a discussion with him about the Hayes-Tilden Compromise, and he wasn't aware of it. And he said, man, it would be great if we could make a short, just little short film about that, and I'll pay for it. So let's do it. And we did it. Wow. That's amazing. That, that and, and, and so that's the kind of support that he has provided. And Tom has been, uh, he is becoming a friend and he is an ally in our struggle. That is absolutely quick. No, that's, that's, that's great to hear. Congratulations to you and him. And, and what a blessing. Now, I'm, I'm curious about the time. The timing of this is, is perfect considering the assault 
on on education when it comes to our, our real history in this country. Did, did you all start this conversation about the Tilden Hayes short film in this period of the assault? We absolutely did, Mark. You are absolutely right. And that was one of the reasons that we wanted to bring this to bear, because one of the things about this story that I, I think people don't realize is that President Hayes was, by all accounts, a fairly decent human being. He wasn't horrible, but he had to know. He had to know that if he was going to make an off-the-books arrangement with the South and the South was going to be left to its own devices going forward, he had to know what was going to happen to Black people in America. And he maybe shut his eyes to it, or he may be erased from his head the facts of the Civil War that was just 11 years old, but by denying the past, he set this country on a course that literally lasted for a century. And so this is, this is what's so important about what's happening today when you look to, it's not just Ron DeSantis, but he is making destroying our history a platform for a presidential run. That is literally his platform. And so I think it's important to understand that when you start erasing the past, people can come up with stuff that sounds new and it's really old and it's really decrepit in terms of the places that it's come from. Yeah, you're right. Our, our enemies, in fact, the enemies of our history uh, have not stopped practicing what they do. Uh, we need to remember our history and go back to practicing some of the things we used to do, uh, exactly. um, especially in this week, this this holy week of remembering Dr. King's crucifixion. All right. Exactly. Um, and so, folks, the fact of the matter is, I know we've all heard tidbits about it, but there the Electoral College was in dispute. And again, appropriately, one of the states where the voting and the vote count was disputed was in Florida, was it not? South Carolina, how about this? Right. The three major states, South Carolina, Louisiana, and Florida. Yeah. What a surprise. Yeah, right. And, right. and so it is literally like the hi history repeating itself. And in the, 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 the telegrams or, or letters that were exchanged between the Hayes camp and the Tilden camp, because remember, the Electoral College couldn't decide the election. They could, Congress created a commission to decide who was going to be president. And there were all kinds of communications going on behind the scenes. And the Hayes people wrote to representatives of South Carolina and Florida, excuse me, Louisiana and Florida. And they were saying, look, President Hayes is going to believe that the South should take care of its own business in its own way. And then they wrote a second letter. And the only difference between the first and the second is that the second said, of course, you know, within the constructs of the Constitution of the United States, because they forgot about that one in the first letter where they were saying, look, go do what you're going to do. But that's what happened. Hayes withdrew some troops, and it didn't happen all at once. It wasn't a huge number, but he withdrew troops from the South, and he sent a message. You 
should do things the way you want to do them. And the way they wanted to do them were black codes, Jim Crow laws, lynchings, uh, separate but equal. And so all of those things that I just said were constitutional. So uh, what President Hayes did is to forget what the Civil War was about and how deeply anti-Black racism ran in the South. And I guess he just said, well, maybe it'll work out. And we all see what happened. Yeah. Where was Hayes from again? I can't, I'll have to, I have to remember. I can't, I can't quite remember where he was from, but he was a longtime politician. And as I said, not seen as like a, a major leader in the party, but he was nominated and uh, Ulysses S. Grant was serving his second term. And there had been a lot of controversy and scandal in his second term. So he was he was like ready to leave. He was on the outs, but he ended up staying in office until March of 1877 because it took the commission that long to figure out who was going to be president. Looks like I think he was a representative one time from Cincinnati. I believe so, yeah, from the state of Ohio. From the state yes. of Ohio. Um, and and there was the very real threat, wasn't Jeff that. Um, the nation might have gone back into civil war, correct? I think, I think what people uh, fail to remember is we are talking 11 years after the civil war was over. This was fresh in everybody's mind. And we now have the electoral college thrown into chaos We've got all kinds of threats of violence. We have Hayes sending troops to the capitals of those three states because of all kinds of uh, concerns about violence during the election. And so all of these things, you know, were, 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 were kind of driving, uh, driving this engine. And I think people forget that the feelings of bitterness in the South were still there. And there were people during, from the time the election couldn't be decided after November 8th or 9th when the votes were in a dispute until uh, March when the decision was made, there were people passing out posters that would say things like Tilden or blood. And so they were saying either Tilden's going to be president or we're going to go back to this war all over again. And I have to admit that that may have had some impact on the way Hayes saw what was happening and uh, to not go back into a civil war to make sure that he appeased people in the South. He did what he did. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, it, it, it's, it's interesting, as I was listening to Tom Hanks' narration, um, he described how the Florida governor said that a train carrying ballots and I'm ashamed to admit this, I wasn't aware this was a verb, said the train had been Ku Kluxed. I, I didn't know that was a verb, 
That, that I didn't either. I didn't either. And I'll tell you where I got that uh, from this book right here. The Hayes Tilden Disputed Presidential Election of 1876, a scholar select book by Paul Howards. And on pages 54 and 55, he talks about the, the governor of Florida sending this telegram and saying the train got Ku Kluxed. And when I read that, I thought that has got to be in the script. So, cause I, I had never heard that word before, but I'm like, that is going in because it was just remarkable. That's something else. And the other thing, important thing about the history. And I used to say this a lot myself when Obama was elected, I mean, as, as, as historic and as seminal a moment as that was the first black president, we didn't have social media and, and uh, cable television back during reconstruction. But imagine if we did, it was probably bigger news to have had as many black elected officials, right, Jeff, across the South, even in local offices, former enslaved people being elected to Congress and the Senate. I mean, this people need to understand that was a major thing and that angered a lot of people. There were over fifteen hundred elected black men who were serving in office in the South. That means that they got votes in many occasions from both black and white people. That means that they were in Congress, in state legislatures. And so it's almost, if you can imagine, our people had been in the starting blocks for 246 years. And when somebody finally said, go, we were ready. And we took off quickly. And the gains from 1865 to 1876 or 77 they were significant and there was pushback, no question about it. But they, the, the, the path of our people was like this. And it literally stopped because when you start hitting 1880, everything that we say in the film about what came after the elections, all that stuff started coming down like rainwater. And it was very clear the impact that it had on our community and on our country. And most importantly, the, the loss of the ballot, the, dis, right. the disenfranchisement, and, and we wouldn't get that back until 1965. Well, one of the things that uh, Tom and I wrote in op-ed that the Post published as well, one of the things we put in the op-ed is that in 1896, there were over 130,000 registered black voters in the state of Louisiana. In 1901, it was 1,500. So when you hear those numbers and just stop for a minute and say, you're telling me that in a period of five years, 129,000 people are wiped off the voting rolls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you hear that, it gives you some context to say, now I understand how all of this was happening and how all of this relates to other topics. When you hear these facts, the line that it draws is really undeniable. Yeah, no, that, that is important um, to understand. And one of the reasons, as I said, alluded to folks, Jeff and I have also been in the reparations movement together. That's one of the reasons, now, you know, there's some who don't want to talk about it, but we, we get it. Uh, that's why we talk about vestiges. You, you can't stop at 1865, Lord have mercy, y'all. If you watch, if you just watch these seven minutes and what that wrought, I mean, you, you, it's almost as if you, you need different reparations for different eras. So we just say vestiges for everything that exactly. flowed. 
But if you want to do errors, okay. We, we you know, yeah, exactly. we got to. We can do reparations for 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 enslavement. We can do reparations for black codes, Jim Crow, and segregation. Mm -hmm. We can go down this because I mean that was 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 as horrible. And that is, I think, one of the most powerful things about doing this work. Um, when I was at the ACLU, it's when Reverend Mark and I met you. I met uh, Ron Daniels. I met the people from Encobra, the people from NARC, and I started to get educated on the theory and ethic behind reparations. And I had certainly read about it, and I had read Tanisi's Coates article, and I had some views, but I learned so much from you and the other people in this movement. And when I made this film, reparations was not on my mind. But I'm talking about the big film, the, uh, the documentary film. But you could name that documentary film the case for reparations. Because all it does, it's like you say, it traces this timeline. And I think what people should always remember is understand that by the end of the Civil War, we had been enslaved for a quarter millennia, 246 years. What that means is that the culture that said that we were less than human was that only. And how do you think that culture is going to be erased because some people lost a couple of battles in a war? That culture didn't go anywhere. It manifested itself and hung on like with a death grip. And as many people have said, the South may have lost the war, but they won the peace because they started erasing stuff about history and redefining stuff. And we are still in that battle now where we are trying to regain our history. And when you say vestiges, people say, well, if reparations is just about slavery, that's a long time ago. And it's like, we can have a debate about that. But when you talk vestiges of slavery, you're going up to April 4th, 2023. We're not even talking about up to 10 years ago. We're going up to today. And so that's a conversation that I think is happening more and more in America. And people are understanding that. We can't say we've never done reparations before because we've actually done it twice before. And we can't say that, uh, well, there's not enough money because Congress came up with $3 trillion in several weeks during the COVID vaccine crisis. And I ask you to remember 2021, Juneteenth became a national holiday. How did that happen? It was not on anybody's agenda anywhere, but those advocates in Tulsa gave us four days of the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa massacre. And for four days, America was transfixed, looking at these images and hearing this information. And people got so emotionally moved that Congress passed a bill making Juneteenth a holiday 16 days later. That's how Juneteenth became a holiday. And Mark, understand this. It costs $450 million to shut the federal government down for one day. So what that means is Congress was willing to spend $4.5 billion over the next 10 years to give us a flipping holiday. Yeah, and that's something. And that's something. Amazing. Folks, how to rig an election uh, written and produced 
by our friend Jeffrey Robinson at the Who We Are Project, narrated by the great Tom Hanks. You can find out more at the Who We Are Project dot org. You should also, if you haven't already, please uh, see the the full documentary. What's what's next? Uh, we Mark Beer, uh, we used about thirty percent of the content that we have on the documentary film, and that is, uh, and if you think about it, the presentation was three hours long without any interviews, and then the film is two hours long, and there are a bunch of interviews of people that go with it. So we didn't include our interview with the woman who answered the phone at the 16th Street Baptist Church, and so she wasn't killed because she was upstairs talking on the phone when the bomb went off in the basement. We interviewed the pastor at Mother Emanuel Church where Dylan Roof killed and injured all those people. Those are things that didn't make the film. So we have all of this content and historical information, and we are looking for ways to package it, to get it out to the community as often as we can. And I will tell you one thing. Before the end of this year, the Who We Are Project will be in the state of Florida, and we will be holding a day of learning. It will probably be two days of learning that will involve screening the documentary film, having a talk back, and then having a full day of presentations about local, state, and national history on anti-Black racism, focusing on Florida. And we plan on making that event as big as we possibly can. We will invite you-know-who and everybody else in the Republican legislature. They won't come. We plan on making it an event that they won't be able to ignore. So... Our, edge, our goal is education, and we're going to be staying in that narrow lane. But within that narrow lane, whether it's written, oral, video, TV, movie, classroom video, we're going to be looking for every way we can to get this information out. Amen. Folks, the whoweareproject.org. Let us know about Florida, too. We definitely want to see that and be a part Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. Oh, Mark, I'll be talking to you about that because we've got some strategy meetings coming up. So oh, yeah. We'll get roped in. Love it. Love it. Love it. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jeffrey Robinson, folks, how to rig an election available everywhere. The who we are project dot org. Check it out. Share it. And, and folks, unfortunately, and, and with this assault on education, um, we have a duty to share these documentaries with one another and with all of our young people on our own. And frankly, that's another part of our history. We've always had to do that. We can do that while we hold these. Uh, the school boards and state legislatures and everyone else accountable, we still have to go forward with the education. So we have to know our history and we have to preserve it for ourselves. Nobody's going to do it for us. Absolutely. So, and we don't need anybody to do it. For us. Amen. Jeffrey, I thank you, brother. 
Congratulations you, again. I really appreciate it. Okay, right. And tell Thank Tom you. Hanks we said what, what's up. I will. I will for sure. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.